Okay, uh, welcome to the Common Briefing Program. Uh, this is an episode of the Common Geeking Program where each month uh, we bring you the news. Uh, three of us will sit down for about an hour to bring you the hottest headlines in geek culture, bring you the most impactful, important, or just plain old interesting stories for geeks around the world. I'm Colin Ketchin. I'm your host, and I'm speaking quickly because I'm sleepy today. It's a winter storm, and I'm like so ready to just, like I closed all my rings on my watch, I ate my food, and like I might just go to sleep after this. How are you guys doing? Oh, you know. I'm good, but Chilling. everything's covered in ice. I thought <clears throat> that yeah. it was going to be snow, but then it was just, it was just ice. Yeah, I drove for like four and a half hours today with you know what should have been a three and a half hour drive which is not the worst <laughs> add-on but it was uh, it was a little scary so percentage wise that's a big jump so that's jeff who just took a big long trek and austin who's buried in ice because i forgot to ask you guys to say your names <laughs> uh but that's fine well i mean but also austin pedantic counterpoint snow is ice just fluffier so yeah i am also mm-hmm, covered mm-hmm, in ice mm-hmm. just fluffy ice um <laughs> Not Flice, really, as they call it. Flice, as they call it, because they need a word for it. They don't already have one. <laughs> they do. I find snow to be cumbersome, both in practice and in verbiage. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we're gonna kind of jump in and recap the geek news, uh, the geek happenings for November of 2019. Here, this is December. We're uh, ending, uh, ending 2019. Um, I don't know if I'd say strong, but. <laughs> Certainly with news. So uh, I think I'm just, just going to jump right in. Things have continued to exist during the month. They sure have. Um, so I'm going to jump in and I'm going to I'm going to get us started. So I uh, I am primarily I think going to talk about uh, streaming services. Because oh yeah, oh that's a thing we got to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, there are two big (laughs) streaming services that uh, dropped this past month, and I say big because one was by a big company and was expected to be big, and the other one is actually big. So the first one that dropped is Apple TV Plus. Now Apple TV Plus is Apple. Not to be confused with Apple TV. Not to be confused with Apple TV, which is a physical hardware product that you can purchase <laughs> and have in your I hands. I love that they've cornered themselves like this, you know? Like, they just, they're like, oh, shit, we already have the, we just have to add on things at the end of these words. I wasn't yeah, even aware of, the, of that's, this. Actually. That's why we live in a world where you can buy something called an iPhone 11 Pro Max. So, yeah, we're not in oh, great shape. The, the naming conventions on their stuff has really gone berserk. Uh, but that if you, said, if Apple you put TV that Plus, out like 30 years ago, I absolutely would have guessed it was the name of a dildo rather than a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's audacious because the word phone is in the name. It's that. Convincing. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, the Apple new uh, iPro no, Pro Magnum. Namaste <laughs> <laughs> condom for my Magnum okay, well, dog. Also, just, just so we're clear, I am positive that there is a, a vibrator out there that is made to look like a phone oh for right? sure that there's also be, an entire industry <clears throat> there's probably an app for it that you can download on your phone that's actually the thing is there's an entire industry <clears throat> like a very lucrative industry of these products called teledildonics you're welcome for that. Now we're going to get back to Apple TV+. Plus. So this is a streaming service that dropped. Uh, see, I don't work for the company anymore, so I can make those kinds of segues. Uh, so, no, I want to talk more about iDildos, Con. I think, we should, I think we've got a rich vein here. I don't know if you noticed that. that. Oh, God. <laughs> They've really changed the branding away from i to Apple, so it would be the Apple dildo. Um, now, <laughs> Apple TV Plus Jesus. is a streaming service that launched on November 1st, and it has with it four big shows at launch, um, which are The Morning Show, uh, C, which is a show about blind people 100 years in the future, and everyone in the world is blind except for a couple people. Uh, you've got uh, For All Mankind, which is by Ron Moore, the guy who did uh, Deep Space Nine, Battlestar Galactica, and Outlander, like one of the greatest sci-fi uh, television writers in history, if not the greatest, and he's doing a sh- an alt history show where Russia got to the moon first. And then there is a show called Dickinson, which is about Emily Dickinson, and the Checks all out. the talk, all, all the things that that people were saying about this is like, oh, all <clears throat> these shows are are kind of boring and bad. And I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. So the streaming service came out. I checked him out. 
they're they're all good. Like they're all pretty good. Right. Like okay, I but like your tone doesn't really convince me. Or no, is it just like confusion? I mean, I was it's... at least gonna believe that people would find a show about Emily Dickinson to be boring, even if it was good, just because yeah. like it's just a bias. Does so here's, sound you know, boring? They do all really, sound so kind of boring. That's that's but kind Emily of the Dickinson thing. Is people uh, were... great, so I would be interested in it. But you'll like it yeah, even more well, because the Emily Dickinson would. show is very anachronistic because it is written, edited, and soundtracked as though it were a show starring millennials. Uh, so it's it's oh, very it's very stylistically back and forth. <laughs> John Mulaney makes a cameo appearance more than one time uh, as another uh, uh, historical writing figure. Dickinson caught me by surprise, and like I'm convinced that's going to be some sort of sleeper hit. That is a wonderful yeah. show. Uh, okay. Morning Show <laughs> is something that like I watch religiously on Fridays now. It's just good drama. And I, I think the big thing about Apple TV Plus is I was so prepared for this to be sort of a garbage platform, and I'm, like, thoroughly enjoying uh, all their tentpole shows. And it's $5 a month, which is cheaper than everything else, so I'm I'm pretty stoked to be sticking with it. Okay, but if it's $5 a month, you got to divide that by the shows that you're watching, right? And you're watching three yes. shows. Yes. Well, I'm watching – yeah, well, I'm watching four and if you compare that to other services like Disney Plus, okay. that number gets we'll a get lot worse one. really fast. So Disney Plus <laughs> launched on November 12th, and it has one claim to fame, Baby Yoda. And that's it. So, <laughs> yeah, I did not. I, like, So I kept seeing memes about that, and I knew that the new Star Wars trailer, like the movie, had dropped. And I was like, oh... Are they <laughs> what? <laughs> and then and then I realized it was from the Mandalorian. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, the Mandalorian, I think, is doing something extremely right. It's set after Return of the Jedi, and it is uh, following a bounty hunter of the same creed as Boba Fett. And I was uh, the the plot details on this kind of like Apple TV Plus were so scant that I was like, it's just going to be an indulgent fucking here's extra Star Wars stuff. I don't. I'm not very interested in that. But I gave it a shot. I watched the first episode. It does something extremely right because it really decides not to take lessons from other streaming services, namely Netflix, where Netflix is Mm -hmm. like, we have a drama, 13 episodes, at least one hour each, go. And you sort of have to fill that space. Mandalorian episodes are like 40 minutes a pop. And a lot of people were complaining that the episodes are short. I think it's perfect because the show is slow and methodical at times. And you don't have to go through an hour at a time waiting for things to happen. It clips along pretty well despite being very reserved. So I was expecting to not care about Disney Plus because the only show on it that really is making headlines is The Mandalorian. There are some other things on there that I enjoy. Uh, And I was expecting Apple TV Plus to be a giant pile of boring shit. And I'm I'm frustrated now because I have like five TV shows that come out on Fridays and I don't know what the fuck to do with my time because they're all great. They're all really good. Um, and Mandalorian is four episodes in. Bryce Dallas Howard just directed the most recent episode and she fucking nailed it. Like her dad did Solo a Star Wars story. I'd rather she have directed Solo a Star Wars story. She did a great job. Um, but yeah, I uh, if they are also like two of the cheapest streaming services. So I think for a lot of people looking for something extra to do, if you have Disney nostalgia, go Disney. If you're looking for new TV shows and Netflix is annoying you because they go up like $2 like every couple months, um, honestly, Morning Show, C, For All Mankind, and Dickinson are all very, very good shows that I recommend. Um, Which is not to say, of course, that you can't just pirate whichever whichever of these shows are available to pirate from any of these platforms i mean i guess Precisely. mostly i'm pointing this at disney because i feel like yeah. their platform <laughs> is like in the least danger of ever being shut down from piracy yeah like, yeah pretty much <clears throat> i mean apple has more money than disney but i have a very strong I, feeling that if apple yeah, tv but... plus doesn't make a specific amount of money it's gonna quietly disappear yeah, meanwhile, um, Disney is fine taking a loss on it until nothing else exists, and then they're yep. allowed to profit. Yeah. So, whatever. Yeah, that, that said, yeah. Um, Disney Plus, for a lot of ethical reasons, I'm like, man, I, I, I don't necessarily want them to be the people getting my money for this, as is always the case to put out something I like. <laughs> yeah. No ethics in capitalism, but... Um, 
but The Mandalorian is a legitimately enjoyable show. Um, I took my girlfriend through all the Star Wars movies um, in anticipation for Nine because she had somehow made it 20 years without knowing that the prequels were bad movies, so I had to <laughs> uh, introduce like, her to that concept. seen them and didn't know? Yeah, no, I don't know. Well, she she had never seen them. And, oh, okay. There we and, go. And, and then I... Like, we were watching the first movie, and she's like, oh, this is a lot of fun. I'm like, because <laughs> uh, yeah, It Menace is fun. Is, it's fun for it's, a little it's, while. It is very fun. And then when it ended, she was like, that was fun. And then um, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Red Letter Media on YouTube. They have these long video essays called yeah. Blinket where they really deconstruct those movies. I just started asking her questions from those, and the movie fell apart in her brain. And she was like, yeah, yeah that sucked. I don't ever want to watch that again. Mm-hmm. Um but if we want to talk about good Star Wars experiences, Mandalorian is not the only thing this past month, for I have been spending my time playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, oh, yeah? which is a new game uh, by Respawn, the folks behind Apex Legends and Titanfall. Uh, it is a souls light uh, action-adventure combat game where you play as a Jedi after Order 66 with uh, the execution of the Jedi in uh, Episode 3. And it feel having just gone through all the Star Wars movies, it feels super at home with uh, the original trilogy and with Rogue One. Saw Gerrera, nice. voiced by Forrest Whitaker, does make an appearance in there. And they actually, a video game was able to afford Forrest Whitaker, which I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I wonder how much casting budget went into like those five minutes in the booth. That's a lot of money. Well, um, yeah, I mean, Star Wars is so okay. To tangent a little bit, I because mm. I don't know the answer to this question. So, how much does Disney, like, contribute to, like, the games of their properties? I actually can answer that, and the answer is it varies. Uh, Star Wars, in particular, has—there's a lot of very tight control around that. There are people who manage the brand of Star Wars very particularly, like Loremasters, who, when they were— <laughs> when, when they were called? Loremaster is a real term for, like, when people are managing a franchise like this. Like, all big franchises Oy. that you can think of have loremasters. Yeah, have people it's, that, it's like, just ridiculous that that's what it's called. But <laughs> um, So, the folks who run Star Wars and were helping, because EA signed a huge Star Wars contract years ago, and, and they, like, have not been putting out a lot of games. So, we finally got this one, and... Uh, I read a story a while ago saying that originally they were like, yeah, we want to make a game about Jedi. And the folks uh, with Lucasfilm and Star Wars were like, you don't get to use Jedi just yet. You need to, like, prove that you understand the mentality of being a Jedi. Like, you <laughs> Do need they to, you even need... understand the mentality of being a Jedi? <laughs> because it's arbitrary and they're the ones who define it, yes, they do. So the... <laughs> The, the the limitations that they put were basically like you don't you can't just give someone a lightsaber and call it a Star Wars game. You need to understand the philosophies behind this. You need to understand right. the design choices behind this. And once you've done that, then we can like sort of talk about what you have access. So they were very involved. Um, I, I forget if that was Polygon or Kotaku, but I read that months and months ago when press was coming out about the game. Um, uh, but the 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 involvement there. Uh, was pretty deep, and you can kind of feel it. It 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 feels it, it definitely has the vibe of uh, a legit Star Wars property, and the game itself is fun. Uh, I've I'm sort of lukewarm on Souls like um, uh, roguelike games, just because I like games that are very challenging, but I can't spend the amount of time it takes to just throw your corpse at an enemy 50 times learning how to beat it like it just takes so much you die so much and it just wastes time and this sort of threads that needle a little better it has the accessibility of uncharted and tomb raider uh but (laughs) but it also um, not even close but the but the combat is also still pretty rigorous and and there are like rewards and penalties for doing well and doing badly um so uh all that said, between Mandalorian and Jedi, uh, and some interviews with JJ, I'm a little, a little pumped for Episode Nine this month. Though, I, I, the trailers have me nervous. It's just going to be a return of the Jedi rehash, but we'll see what happens. But so yeah. far, it's been, it's been a good month for Star Wars. I'll just say that much. Um, last thing before I toss it over to one of you guys, somebody did my boy a big favor. Sonic the Hedgehog is looking pretty fine. <laughs> so, Did we talk about that last month? <laughs> uh, there was a leak. There was a leak last month, but it oh, happened. Oh, now the trailer was in yeah. November. Gosh, yeah. it was yeah, so long Yeah, the trailer ago, was in November. Yeah. Um, 
and I watched it's it, it is <sighs> man okay so they they ended up bringing on a guy named Tyson Hess who has been doing artwork for the Sonic comics for a long time and uh-huh. they brought him on to lead the redesign he like at when yeah. the original design came out he tweeted a thing that went viral and they were like yo you want to come fucking fix our movie um people were like Sonic's going to cost 40 million dollars to redesign and it was only like 5 million and one of my friends tweeted me something like they spent 5 million dollars on a VFX creature i'm like that's pretty that's not a that's lot. Standard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. You want to know how much Jar Jar costs? Let's talk about Gollum. Let's see how much <clears throat> this can actually be. Oh, but God. really, he looks he looks like spitting image of the of the cartoon. It's it's like the people who did Detective Pikachu took a stab at designing Sonic. It's it's yeah. just it's one for one plus fur, and yeah. that's fine. <laughs> The um, one thing, the one thing I noticed about it that's kind of funny is like I know he has quills instead of mm-hmm. fur, right? Yeah, but it. I, I, it looks like he mostly has fur except like yeah. a couple strands of like quills. And I imagine yeah. that they kept that in the design because they already had like film shots where they used the prop of his like big thick quill that yeah, with Jim no, Carrey that, holding it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that might be true. Uh, the, I mean, hedgehogs do have like furry bellies and furry arms, but, um, yeah, but, but it, yeah, it, it, it like not, it not, looks not their back as much. It looks weird because it's like he's got fur and then he's got some quills protruding and like blending in with it. Whereas like yeah. it seems like that doesn't really fit with the rest of the new redesign. Whereas they might have had to keep it that way just to like avoid that more of reshoots. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But um, all in all, even the trailer was better. It wasn't Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise in the background. Yeah. It was actually <laughs> it was actually a song called Supersonic, and then like uh, a rocked out version of of um hey ho let's go uh and it's just like it felt way more on brand on tone yeah uh not even just the redesign but like the the trailer itself was was more considerate of the original tone of the source material and putting aside the source material it's a more enjoyable thing to watch you get more of a story and more characterization for the record that's why you have fucking lore masters. Yep. <laughs> That's why you get Tyson Hess in there to say, you should have been working with me from the beginning. Because I know what happened to the original Sonic, which is all the producers were like, well, this is a little wrong, and this is a little wrong, and it was death by a thousand cuts until he looked like a VR face mask plastered onto, like, <laughs> a pile of melted troll dolls. So, um, but I'm very happy oh, yeah. with the state of Sonic, the state of Star Wars, and the state of my streaming. I'm going to hand it over to whoever would like to go next. Um, do you yeah, want to go next, will... Jeffrey? I'm yeah, excited yeah, sure. to talk about your topic. Yeah, word. So, I it's mean, it, it's, not, it's not news necessarily. Well, it is news, but it's not like a headline as much as it is the new Pokemon game came out. And uh, it's got That's a lot nice. of new, exciting sort of innovations in it. Um, I mean, the story is is pretty standard kind of Pokemon affair. It's still mostly our same game played, you know, again. But... They added a new feature, which is actually like a bit of a pullover from Pokemon Go, which is pretty incredible. So part of the um, part of the uh, area, like the map in the game, is this place called the Wild Area, which is just this like huge fucking open world, vast, expansive thing that you can like ride around on your bike, and you see Pokemon like riding around. Like I would say, and Austin feel free to confirm or just like the wild area is probably bigger than like collectively the rest of all the towns put together wouldn't you say or Uh, close to yeah um i think it definitely has more square footage yeah like it like you know i mean there's you know fewer things there in terms of like buildings and stuff because there aren't really but it's like it takes like a minute or two to actually bike from one end of it to the other, which is is pretty crazy for a Pokemon game. And the big thing that they added with the wild area is that there's these little like uh, these little portal holes that occasionally will shoot up these beams of light. And the beams of light, there's like these raid battles where you and other people online can work together to like capture a really strong Pokemon, like using teamwork, which is. I don't know, just in terms of, like, daily things to do in Pokemon, it, it, it adds a lot, at least for me in the game. Because before it was just like, oh, you've got, like, a checklist of things that you can do after the campaign, 
And then once you're done with that, it's pretty much just breeding things for competitive play. Whereas this is like, there's still stuff to do after the game that yeah. like replenishes over awesome. time. It's I, also... I, don't know, I don't know if you're as happy okay. as I am, but I never thought I'd see the day where Jeff is participating in and enjoying a live service MMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so stoked yeah. on this. Anyway. That's no, awesome. it's a lot of fun. Cause like, you know, like you'd, like Nintendo doesn't have like really any sort of like live chat communication. I mean, I guess they might in some day in some games minimally, but certainly not in this. Yeah. I don't think you can use it with Pokemon, but like they do have the app that you can put on your phone so that you can go into like voice calls with people that you're playing smash with or whatever, or right. But like, you know, so there's not really any like sort of toxic behavior and like, Really, like, the raid battles are in such a way that, like, if you have four real people that at all know what they're doing, like, they're not at all difficult, so it's not, like, you know, there's much for people to really get angry about, and if you don't succeed, you can try again, and when I say not real, you can go into the raid battles with with three NPCs instead of uh, real people, but they're, you know, as one might expect, kind of incompetent for the most part. Um, but it's it's a really cool feature, and it, so it's a pullover from Ho- Pokemon Go because like Pokemon Go started incorporating like a raid battle type thing where you'd go to a particular place with a bunch of people and you'd catch a Pokemon. Except it's way better than that because I don't have to be like around a bunch of people who are just like way <laughs> into Pokemon Go, way yeah, too also, much into Pokemon Go. Even, even but also like just the fact that you can do this in a normal Pokemon game where you like actually have to. Because Pokemon Go, it's like it's it's a nice thing to exist. Maybe whatever I don't know. Harvesting it's people's a, data, don't know where yeah, it's going. But it's a different game. But yeah. But but also, I think I like the the raids in this new game way more because it's like you're actually making meaningful choices in the gameplay where you have yes, to choose yeah. what moves you're using and stuff, rather than just tapping the <laughs> tapping screen as screen. fast as you can. Right. Like in Pokemon Go, they're like the raid battles are in such a way that it's like. Yeah, it sort of matters what Pokemon you choose to, like, if you can defeat the thing fast enough to catch it, but, like, hardly, and it's not like you could really run out since, like, everyone has, like, over 200 Pokemon collected at this point, you know, like, more than that even, so it's like, you can't really, and it just kept, lets you keep going in and going in and going in, right? So it's like, the raid battles here are, like, you can lose them, and they're shorter, and, you know, it's, I mean, not to compare it just too much to Pokemon Go, but it, it, Austin's right, it is a better system, and you are making meaningful choices in, like, the moves that you pick and the types that you choose and stuff like that. Jeff, I need to warn you, uh, yes. before you get sucked into conversation with Austin's <clears throat> about these very special builds of how to do <laughs> these things, you should understand that last night before we tried to do on Mission on Destiny, he said, hold on. I need to go do something. And we went somewhere else and he spent 15, 15 minutes oh just upgrading, moving around and like, I don't know if these <laughs> numbers are going to stack right. So yeah, I'm so glad you have that. But if Austin says, do you want to raid with me in Pokemon? It's a commitment. He's hey. ready for it. He <laughs> hey. knows what he's nah, doing. No, no, no. He just jumps on around. there and, and it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the advantage is Austin finds these fucking broken builds in every game he plays, so he will probably win. Oh, for team. sure. But, like, the Pokemon community is built around, like, broken builds, you know? Like, those are just the ones that are competitively viable. Like, everyone has already figured it out, like, within, like, a week and a half of, like, the game coming out. It's so a, there's nothing that Austin game. can come up with, yeah, that, that people haven't already. Yeah, there's, well, we'll see. I, I'm, I think uh, a lot of that stuff seems like it's solved, but we're going to see. Uh, I don't know if you're talking just about, like, best, uh, like, pve i guess best raid pokemon teams or like in-game yeah. pokemon teams or uh like competitive stuff but i, I mean like think, competitive I, stuff yeah but... i don't think the competitive stuff is quite solved yet because there are some things that seem ridiculous but like you know there are vgc players who will figure out some crazy shit and oh course, yeah for like, sure also people doing singles with uh smog on or something who will figure out their own stuff but i haven't been paying as much attention to that as of late yeah, it's so much. It's like so overwhelming amount of deta- like information to to come up with some of that stuff. But anyway, no, the new Pokemon game is is really fun, and like you know, like in terms of the story, like it was still kind of a breeze. But it's you know, 
par for the course, but it, it's it's mm-hmm. really gone a long a lot a long way in streamlining a lot of the post game stuff that like mm-hmm. that you have to do when you're doing competitive play. Like they added new items so that you can change the uh, the nature of a Pokemon, which matters a lot in the mm. in because like when you whether you have a particular nature of a Pokemon, it'll boost one stat and lower another. So like depending on what a Pokemon's like weaknesses are or like strengths and weaknesses are you want it to have a very specific nature and like this cuts a lot of work out of that if you're willing to just like instead of trying to you know do all the breeding nonsense and getting all their perfect stats which you can also improve and yeah i don't know it had a lot of streamlining stuff even just breeding is like like 10 times as fast as it was even in the last game have you tried breeding much yet austin uh a a little bit but not seriously also um just for if you aren't uh if you don't remember this from the one pokemon game that you played colin uh nature here is a synonym for personality yes sorry. i did not yeah. know that no i was thinking type and i didn't quite i didn't quite track no type yeah, yeah i think yeah, I, I played pokemon you can't just change X, the types no. why i played y that's the only one i played um no so the one thing that i've been hyper aware of is sort of and star wars shares this as well the toxic fans the angry fans the bad people who when the game is coming out they're like this doesn't have all the pokemon i want so everybody making the game should be dead people um i haven't heard any of that since the game dropped it has broken a franchise sales record so what has (laughs) has that affected anything because it doesn't seem like it's hurt the game at all i mean first of all in every single new pokemon game you cannot acquire all of the old pokemon from the old games immediately especially not on launch yeah yeah not on launch so like it's changed nothing colin are you frozen maybe no he's not he's no his face is frozen but um so (laughs) So, yeah, on launch, you can't ever get all the Pokemon, so that is unchanged. Um, And a while ago, I was kind of scoffing when people were like, oh, they're just going to fucking release, you know, some of the old Pokemon as DLC later, right? And it's it's just going to be a money grab. And we were all like, that's fucking stupid. Of course they're not. But now it's looking like not as paid DLC, but I actually think it might be kind of likely that they do release old Pokemon as just like, you know, in this raid system as like, oh, yeah, like during this special day, you can get this Pokemon if you do a raid battle, because like, that's how they operate in Pokemon Go, too, is just, you know, they started off with just the original 151 mm-hmm. or, and then like slowly added more over time. And it seems like it might be actually a way to you like they might be using that as a tool to like keep retention in in people actually playing the game to like keep the hype going forward and it's like i and even if that's like a strategy that you're using i think that that's totally legitimate because like there's so many pokemon that like no one fucking needs to get all of them in like you know the week after the game release anyway so it's like it's not a big deal but the thought that I was having is if you have largely a solved gaming ecosystem where people have figured out the most optimal strategies to beat these raids, how else do you change that but just injecting new content? So that every yeah. time you put new Pokemon here, it exponentially will grow the level of creativity and the number of solutions you have. And I think that that's a good thing for the game. Yeah, uh, like I, I absolutely yeah. think that they're going to do that with past legendaries because there's like only three legendary Pokemon in this game and there's like a, a whole, you know, fucking novel of them like from past generations and like they, you know, always have events to incorporate those. Um, but speaking of like the toxic fandom, it's funny because like there is a portion of the community out there that like isn't a fan of all... Of- yeah, like, is, isn't is a fan of all the streamlined changes it makes because they're like, oh, you used to have to work for your Pokemon, whereas, like, there's also a lot of people playing the game that just want to play it competitively and don't want to do all of the nonsense that it requires to, like, you know study all the Pokemon that, you, that you're, that yeah, you like, wanting to put on your team. It's its gross form of gatekeeping. Yeah, like, doing all the... <laughs> right, like, doing all this... Yeah, it's, like, doing all the studying and then, like, figuring out how the all the Pokemon's gonna get all these moves and then making sure it's got the right ability, the right nature, yeah. the, like, you know, and, the, and then having to figure out how to do all of that through, like, breeding and stuff is just, like, it's... See, it's an, 
it's a nightmare, you know? That confuses me because I do that with Destiny, where when I play pe- play with people who haven't, who, like, just jumped on board, I've been playing Destiny since day one in 2014. I'm mm-hmm. like, back in my day, if you brought a purple, you would get a green. Like, nothing was what it was supposed to be, and you couldn't get anything, right. and there was nothing to do. But it's always like a, you are so lucky. Please cherish how wonderful this game yeah. is. Right, and come right, have right. fun Whereas, with me. Like, Why would I make some people members- feel bad? Right, like for I some suffered, members of the so Pokemon community, to. they're just like, oh, they just want to dumb down this bit, this game till it's just for babies. And it's just like, yeah, but like that stuff wasn't hard. It was just like tedious, you know, like there's yeah. such a big All you difference. proved is that you had ever, the time. Like, I think the only thing that has ever made the game easier from like a cognitive capability standpoint rather than just putting in a grind to do stuff like yeah. i think these recent changes they just reduce the amount of time that you need to spend doing repetitive shit yeah i think the only which time is that... good excuse me sorry i couldn't I, quite i said that. which is good yes yeah. which is good i'm gonna that's i thought that was uncontroversial um <laughs> <laughs> what well, is among the three of us but <laughs> <laughs> right sure maybe um maybe other people are so uh, well evidently they're wild fucking verlicify uh, like, the but... last time that they did something that i where they actually like reduced the difficulty for like people to play it i think was like after uh i think after second generation they started reducing yeah. the complexity of some of the puzzles that you would have to do in the overworld which is kind of a um, bummer because i did like yeah. those puzzles but but also it's like i know the game is supposed to be like seven and up or whatever so i'm not gonna harp about it right right I it's like just... and i i do wish that the pokemon games were more difficult and i think that there would be a pretty easy way to incorporate like a difficulty setting to like put in at the beginning of the game because like it's built right into the mechanic but like the kind of things that people are complaining about them changing are just like quality of life things not it's just like oh i had to do all this work and spend 20 hours soft resetting my game and spinning around in circles breeding pokemon so like congratulations now it's so the idiot yeah it's just like yeah it reminds me of that that meme that's been going around of like the fucking boomer trolley problem where 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 it shows them having already run over five of the people and they're like hmm would it be fair to the people the trolley has already ran over if we diverted the path now and saved more people it's like it reminds it's like that kind of mentality it's yeah. just like oh shut the fuck up like yeah it was yeah. difficult but like not in a good way <laughs> all right okay so i'm gonna uh unless you have anything else pressing about that topic i think that was that was a much more involved conversation than i ever expected to have about pokemon myself um awesome <laughs> Austin, what are you? Uh, what do you yeah. bring to the table today? I know uh, you've been so playing Pokemon, a, but you got some others. Yeah, I've I've a couple things. Um, I think they're all actually on a related, a related note about sort of uh, like balancing uh, ecosystems, or you might think of them as sort of markets in competitive gameplay. Uh, Mm -hmm. but, um, so the first thing, uh, which is, seems less competitive at first glance to most of us who actually play the game, uh, is a bunch of D&D stuff. Uh, Wizards of the Coast released a bunch of D&D stuff in November. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, Eberron's coming back. Uh, there's a particular, uh, a particular, uh, setting that they're releasing again, and it comes with the, a new class, the Artificer, which a lot of people are gonna love. It's a super fun time you get to be a mad um, a magical mad scientist instead of a wizard sorcerer etc yeah on on dice populi as soon as that was announced in dice populi one of i one of our guys was like if my character dies dibs on artificer like just like as soon as it was announced (laughs) he sent that to our group chat was it ryan it was ryan (laughs) yeah so ryan uh me and ryan and uh chowder are actually going to be doing a proper CGP episode about Eberron as a nice. Oh, nice. probably yeah, he's been, not he's been yeah, so not stoked for, on it. Not for December, I don't think, because it's taking yeah. a little bit longer to plan. So I think we're gonna just start working on it now and then save it for the January one. But that's great. yeah, so that'll be fun. No, cool. that's cool. So I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about that because there's some fun stuff that goes in. Artificers are fun. Everybody loves the Warforged. Uh, Eberron is yeah. cool. Yeah, what's um, not to love? They're good, good bot boys. Yeah, no, I'm playing. I'm playing one in a in a campaign that meets very occasionally right now. Actually, uh, it's super silly time. But 
Uh, moving on, there was also some interesting Unearthed Arcana stuff that Wizards of the Coast released. Um, and it was uh, two, three weeks ago at this point. Uh, I could find it if you so desire, but they released an Unearthed Arcana that includes um, updates to every spellcasting class. Um, and... Oh, fuck. I, I want to have a name for it so that if people are interested <clears throat> in this shit, they can find it, and I put it in the Wild West campaign, and god damn, we post a lot of shit in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, here we go. Uh, this was a UA that was uh, released on, so like, in the middle of November. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, entitled Class Feature Variants, uh, and it's for, like, all of the classes. Um, but pretty much what they did was they, so, uh, as both of you should know, as people who play D&D, uh, there are, uh, classes which can cast spells, and they know a certain number of spells, or can prepare a certain number of spells from a spell list. uh, That sounds right to me. Yeah. But some of these- Kind of going on your word, I've never played a spellcaster, and I'm always the DMs, (laughs) and DMs don't ever keep track of that shit. You should really understand these things, I think. Um, if you're the DM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hyperbolizing. I just don't know it by... I don't know it. Now that okay. you've said that aloud on this cast, if any of the people on Dice Populi hear that shit, they're just going to start making things up for their spells, and you won't Good be able thing to Good thing I'm not it. DMing right now. Fair enough. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I just have six level four spell slots right now. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, um, that sounds good. You're level three, right? Let's keep moving. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but so a lot of classes say, like, uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking bard, um, sorcerer, warlock. Um, they, these guys, uh, these guys only know a certain number of spells that they you can gain. Uh, you can gain spells that you know leveling up, and when you level up, you also have the opportunity to switch out one of your old spells for a new one. And what this does is it makes the these classes like kind of narrow. They have to choose mm-hmm. their skill set, and it, re- it stays largely the same throughout their level ups. Uh, but this uh, this Unearthed Arcana is giving all of these classes an interesting uh, an interesting ability feature i guess a feature it's a class feature variant called spell versatility which means that f- for all of these classes that don't have uh that don't know all of the spells in on their class spell list like clerics or paladins or druids or that like or like not wizards because they can just learn every spell on the wizard spell list spell book spell list by reading a bunch of books and putting them into their spell book whatever mm-hmm. so all these other classes they're giving spell versatility to which means that during once per long rest or after a long rest, they can replace one of the spells on their spell lists with another spell of the same level. So essentially, it gives all these uh, all these classes, like you know your bard, sorcerer, warlock, etc., access to their entire spell lists. Oh it boy! Just, like, okay. It would take. It just means like you got to take a long rest, and then you can switch a spell out for a spell of the same level. That's so, like, kind of cool. If you go over like if you just take a couple weeks of downtime, or like less than a week of downtime at lower levels, you can completely change up your spell list. <laughs> you can be a jack of all trades. Yes. Uh, and so this is, I think, so that's something that's coming out. And I think if they adopt it, I'm going to be sad for wizards because like the big thing that wizards have is that they're the most versatile casters. Uh, and now their versatility is a little bit less since they have to go do a bunch of stuff where everyone else to learn to like learn a new spell they have to go do a bunch of research and shit where everyone else just has to be like oh well i'm gonna go take a nap they're gonna gonna get less popular in gameplay and then they're and then the company will have to change its name to sorcerers of the coast and it's gonna be a whole thing no i think i think there's still very good reasons to play wizards and people are gonna do that it's just um I think this is going to give uh, a lot of the other classes uh, a, a much desired like leg up, and I'm not sure how it's going to affect uh, balance and class choice for players overall, but it's an interesting thing that they're going to do. And um, I think this is definitely, if not this, then something like this is uh, necessary for uh, spellcasting classes in 5e, just because the the way that... So 5e, I think, hits this nice uh, middle point between, like, the extremely railroaded char- class uh, character design that you got in four point, uh, sorry, in 4th edition, which everyone hated because it was just, like, if I wanted to do this, I would go play an MMO. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just, like, 
Uh, and then it, but it also it uh, it's a nice uh, middle point between that and the extreme complexity and uh, customizability of three point five. And I think they're trying to step step a little bit closer to ex closer to extreme customizability and versatility in your uh, characters. So I, and I think it's cool. Um, and it uh, it'll affect the sort of environment that people are playing in by giving them more options, which uh, on the face of it I think sounds good. I don't know. That's and my, the, that's the the upside to to doing this with a game like D and D though is because it's tabletop. It's not like. Pokemon and Destiny where introducing a thing can fuck up a vital ecosystem for lots of people. It's right. you sit at a table, you say, I don't like that shit, and you just ignore it and keep going. <laughs> like, so yeah. if it doesn't work, who gives a shit? They'll fix it later, and I think well, that, that that is something that I think uh, I'm glad to see them embracing like more radical changes. Yeah, yeah I mean, I still think they have uh, they have a ways to go as far as radical changes with like the Ranger, for example. But mm. um, you know, I, yeah, I, the Ranger cool is kind of a weird class, but we don't need to talk about that. It's um, good for flavor. <clears throat> yeah, definitely yeah. good for flavor. Um, I'm I'm a fan of Rangers. I just like it, when I look at the Rangers, I'm I would rather just play like a different class that can also cast spells and could have a nature flavor. Because it's like, I yeah. want to be able to help people more, you know, or do more things. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, I think it's this is going to be an interesting thing to inject into the the game if they do it. Uh, it's going to shake stuff up because, you know, right now everyone has like, if you're going to play a class, uh, one of these classes that don't have spell versatility right now in any sense, there are ways to build them that are the correct ways for most uh, for most tables, right? Right. Um, and now it's going to be like, well, depending on what the sessions are going to be, we might have we might be able to have like a really combat focused session, and you can ch change out a spell or two, uh, if depending on how much time you have between adventures or whatever. So people can like do uh, be more comfortable taking spells on their characters that are not like meta meta optimal spells yeah yeah that's always my thing too is like whenever i play a spell casting one i'm just like wow that sounds really cool and then i like read the description i'm like i don't see a lot of situations in which that's going to be useful i should yeah. probably pick something else and it's just like that eh, you know it's you like, don't yeah, want to i should probably pick fireball i guess <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah so that's a cool thing um and i think it's gonna it's. I think it'll be a good thing for the game overall. Uh, if 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 that or something like it uh, drops in, because Unearthed Arcana is not official material. It's officially playtest material. So it's just like uh, official fan fiction kind of that they use when they're designing <coughs> new things. Uh, and sometimes they do really bad things. But this seems like a really good one. I don't know. Sounds exciting. Uh, and it will contribute to more interesting stuff happening in the game. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was actually uh, Destiny 2. Uh, there was a uh, TWAB, which people from Destiny 2 will, who play Destiny 2 will probably understand what I'm saying, but Jeff won't. So I certainly won't. For Jeff's sake. <laughs> um, a TWAB is... Yeah, yeah, so I, I heard twab. that and I was just like, yes, this is normal. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so Jeffrey, TWAB stands for This Week at Bungie. Um, oh. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's just a little news thing that Bungie uh, sets out every week see almost um to tell us what's going on as players uh who are consuming their game that's uh, neat and so they released one a couple weeks ago that was uh, about uh a couple things first of all you know um if if you've been listening to things that we've said on this uh news cycle in the past um destiny's moved to this new uh season pass system where like there are different activities and story things going on in, in each season, but the, the game overall is free to play, but you can buy a pass to engage in these other activities. Woo, waha, whatever. Um, coming up is the season of the dawn. Uh, for Ooh. you, Colin, I know that you probably know this, but, and other people, we're going to be focusing on different people in, in the world, a different area of the solar system than we have, than we have uh, this past season where we were yes, on the moon. Indeed. We're gonna and dealing with uh, these robot people. Well, our uh, moon and, and yes, Sesame? our moon. Oh, well, yeah, technically Jeff, not our Jeff. moon, but it's a close counterpart to our moon. Yeah, the moon's haunted. Yeah, uh, I'd always had my suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's gonna be called the. We're going from the season of the Undying to the season of the Dawn, and with that, they're bringing fun sandbox changes to uh, the class system. They're buffing. I think, strictly speaking, I can just call it a buff. Uh, 
they're, to several yeah, of the solar, the fiery subclasses for each of the different classes. Um, and along with this, uh, with the season changing, they're going to change some of the funky modifications that you can add to your armor in such a way that it'll change up how the meta runs. And I assume that it's going to favor these solar subclasses when they do that too, because it's the season of the dawn and it's like yep. the sun it's on, on fire. You're buffing the fire subclasses. What the fuck else are you going to do with the, the mods? Checks out. Um, and it sounds exciting. I personally, I don't want to get into all the changes here because we don't have too much time left. Um, but I think it's uh, it, this has made me think uh, uh, about the the season pass thing slightly differently. And I think uh, this it's sort of a connection to what we've been talking about this whole time, which is just like ways to that companies are trying to get people to engage with their games in and also keep the games worth engaging with. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I, so a bunch of classes are getting buffed. A bunch of classes they've done, you know, they do. They've done things in the past where they buffed classes and nerfed classes, and the the new armor mod system that they've added in has brought like a different level of depth to the gameplay. But they've also made like pretty clear pathways for how to optimize the system. Uh, and I think doing things this way it allows players to like feel super powerful and have silly fun doing a bunch of crazy combos and shit in games but uh the fact that they can change it up every season sort of makes it so that the the meta for what's for what's good in a particular season doesn't dominate for too long an amount of time they like Mm -hmm, it's built in that there's going to be change in the in what's good to do in the game and i'm i'm not too sure about it because i'm not sure because I think, and I think maybe a lot of people uh, feel like there should be a way to make a game that, like, the balance is perfect, right? We want to, we, yeah. we, we aspire <laughs> yeah. to balanced games. <laughs> that's, that's not But, really. like, I think this may be, like, the second best thing, but it may be the only realistic thing is to have games that, like, are, have built in this, uh, a, a bunch of changes so that devs can just decide that so the devs can plan ahead and make sure that there is change without worrying too much about what's dominating at the moment i'm i'm very pro this because you can't have a perfectly balanced sandbox because it's all arbitrary and something will change and something will break you can and we at least have a system that iterates more regularly at best case this is like infinitely approaching balanced but never reaching it and i'm fine (laughs) with that uh, especially cause even talking about like the bad old days of Destiny One, if you remember uh, Thorn, the exotic hand cannon that does uh, damage over time when you shoot people, yep. there was basically like five months where Bungie was like, "Yep, this gun is broken. It's too powerful. Everyone's using it all the time. It ruins our competitive activities, and we are not fixing it just yet. Stay tuned. Have fun. Bye." And <laughs> And, like, you and I yeah. had tried to do, like, trials at the time, which is, like, the, was the competitive mode, and it was just, like, I didn't have a thorn at the time, so I was useless. And the fact that we have, like, a regimented structure for this, I, I think that that is lacking. Because sometimes they do it quickly, but you don't ever want to be stuck in a period where they don't. So the the structure, I think, is a plus. Yeah. It is... A- for for me, for, like, someone who plays Destiny 2, and I'm, like, imagining how this is going to go in my head... I th- I think that it is it's it's a good thing for the game overall because it make it it makes it interesting to play. I'm not going to get bored if it keeps changing like this, but it's also like kind of kind of sad that like you know, so this season they've had this thing where uh people have been able to play with like two different types of subclasses and now and they've sort of been ignoring the solar group over here but then in the future they're gonna they're gonna put some focus on the solar and they're probably gonna reduce i'm predicting that they will reduce focus on void subclasses for this coming season um just because it seems thematic we're going to mercury um where it's right next to the sun Mm -hmm. there's like you know we're gonna take away the darkness stuff yeah it's dawning it's dawning that's like the opposite of the darkness i don't know anyway so i'm predicting that and it's going to be sad to be like oh my void subclass stuff is not going to be as useful for the next several months and i'm you know i will what if i want to play them sometime it's just not going to be as good but overall this may be the the right thing for them to do i'm not sure 
So that that was there something else? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you want to talk about that board game that you kickstarted, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. If we could zip uh, through that. Yeah. So um, I kickstarted <clears throat> the game last year, which finally came in in the mail last week. Yeah, uh, it looks exciting Top as fuck. It was. Uh, it's published by Steamforged Games. They're the same people who have made uh, a bunch of actually pretty well known and well liked games. Uh, they they made uh, the Dark Souls board game. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, uh, so they've done a couple of these more uh, high-end uh, sculpted things, uh, and it's a super fun game as far as game balance goes. I spent uh, too much money on this, so I ha- currently have like the game uh, to play. It you pick three champions. They each ha- each champion has a set of followers and some cards that like tell you what their different abilities and attacks are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you pick three champions of four varying classes which are more like roles, I think, if we're going to get technical, but we're not going to get too technical. And then, you know, you play against another person in sort of an objective board game where you try to capture territory, kill your opponents, whatever. Um, Super fun time. Uh, There's a really interesting uh, balance of characters that I could go, like, that I could go into a a bit longer, but um, what I can say right now with such little time is that, like, I've got some 14, 15 champions floating around the apartment at the moment yeah. and uh, they're all super fun to play with and they make you play the game in uh, very different ways and I would compare it to something, I would compare it to Heroescape except that I think that the most people don't know what that is <laughs> well yeah there's that but also that the, the depth of this gameplay is a lot more interesting in uh in terms of like the abilities that uh, different champions have and the sort of action economy that you're working with, hmm. um, but yeah, no, it was very solid investment for my Kickstarter. Uh, it's just we, my uh, my partner and I have been uh, playing it almost nonstop over the past couple weeks. Uh, so well, no, over the past couple several days, I guess would be better. I don't know. It's a good game. Uh, you should look into it. And, What's it called? Uh, uh, God Tier. G O D T E A R. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I see what there they is did there. I can really say about it. It's just it's it's good. It's solid. You get to do stuff. You got magic boys and girls and goblins and a fucking demon who can make his attacks more accurate or stronger by eating his followers. Like I don't know what more you could ask for. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what i don't it's either also, actually wait there's also a cool thing so it's not just like fighting each other you can also it has like guides to do uh campaigns with like four to eight people where you can oh, play a fun. series of games and there's like you have to draw cards from a deck to uh decide like what happens there's like a very light story that goes along with these campaign modes and so like you can see oh yeah there's we're going to war across this continent for these god tiers and uh, as you do that, it's got these this extra set of cards. It's just so many cards um, that uh, <laughs> that you can like choose to like level up your champions and stuff, so that they can develop over time and get stronger and stuff. I don't know. It's fun. That's cool. Yeah, it's very the great sculpts too. It's all pretty. Uh, I can't show that to you in a podcast, but you'll just have to take my word for it or look it up on the website because that exists. <laughs> take your word for it we will as we move into the rating section uh so now uh the three of us will briefly deliberate uh going through what we have all brought to the table and try to determine what we feel is the top story for um for november of 2019 what do we think (laughs) is the thing you should be paying the most (laughs) attention to um i actually do not want to go first here because i don't really have a solid nomination here um I can go first if you make me, but what what do you think, Jeff? Uh, I so I'm I'm stuck. I mean, God Tier sounds super interesting, but I don't know if I know enough about it yet. So like that sounds fun for me. Fair I don't, enough. but that seems a little niche for being topped. So I think I'm I think I want to give it to Eberron, just because I think the D and D is oh, a big yeah. part of the nerd world and having some you know changes to make people like it, it doesn't sound like they're you know super like life-changing 
things that were that were iterated to it, but it it does sound some like like some cool stuff, and you know, yeah. might be fun to try out some more casting mm. type stuff. And the artificer, I don't because like you can bring it in a more like alchemy like direction too, which is something that mm-hmm. I liked from Pathfinder that is not really present in in 5e before that so that's really exciting to me so i think that's kind of where my vote is going personally yeah yeah that's fair um i kind of think i have to agree i think in terms of impact i brought the widest reaching story but the truth is the unfolding of disney plus and apple tv plus while i enjoy the content it's like it's all just corporate stuff being corporate yeah, and unfolding <laughs> in a way that doesn't really affect anybody's actual lives because nobody's running out of stuff to watch. And people love Baby Yoda, but that like people aren't really even talking about the show as a whole. They're just sharing pictures of Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> so um, no, it's just the same species, right? Like it's not actually Yoda. No, it's Correct. not actually Yoda. Okay, okay cool. but I mean, as far what, as we um, know. I don't right. believe. So I haven't watched the show. I'm just gonna say I don't believe that that's the same species because uh, those eyes look completely fucking different from Yoda's eyes. They are gigantic, adorable, gaping baby eyes. They are huge. Those are fucking Funko Pop eyes on. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did. That's what they did. They made a Funko Pop of Yoda, and John Favreau said, "That's a fucking TV show right there." <laughs> um, but no. I think I'm also going to go with with Eberron, not just because um, I think it is, of the things we talked about, one of the more meaningful changes to something, um, yeah. uh, to an existing thing. Um, I think that it it is the best representation of Austin Discovered, that leitmotif. Uh, we're talking a lot about <laughs> the, sta- the state of things being updated, the state of things being improved. And and I think that uh, Pokemon is interesting. Destiny is interesting, um, but I think, especially given the breadth of D and D and the D and D community, and how D and D influences literally every other game on the planet, uh, I'm excited to see them push things in new directions. Because Five E has been getting a lot more content recently, but to my understanding, it's been fairly consistent and stable for a while. Uh, an injection yeah. mm-hmm. of a class for the first time in what five years is is I think I think that that's gonna do I think that's gonna do a lot and that is the thing I'm the most interested in. Yeah, I, I think I'll. I mean, it doesn't really matter what I think at this point, but I think I'll agree <laughs> with you guys because I was wavering between that and the whole Disney Plus Apple TV thing. But like, this is yeah. just more fun for me to think about. So go for it. We can put that on. That's the big headline. Yeah, the okay, Disney boys. stuff is just like, even if the shows are good, <laughs> then it's just like contributing to a monster that I don't want to contribute to. And it's yeah. just like, there's nothing you can do about it because so many people are going to jump on just because like, wow, this is stuff that I like and I like Disney, so I'm going to do all this Disney stuff. And it's just like, oh, but there's so much more to it than that. And it's, yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. On an unrelated note, after <clears throat> I see things about the season finale and, like, narrowly avoid some spoilers or something, I'm going to visit the Pirate Bay probably. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> For, yep. uh, for the Mandalorian? Yeah. Yeah, I do want to see it. It does look good, but... Yep. Hey. All right. Well, uh, let it be known the Common Geeking Program does not officially endorse piracy of copyrighted material. Uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> which, which is why you and I have separate lawyers. So uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, uh, D&D, the release of Eberron uh, and, its, and its core book. Uh, that is our top story for November of 2019. Uh, I have been Colin, joined by Jeff and Austin. Uh, we try to release episodes the first and third Fridays of every month. The first one always being something like this, a little roundtable recapping geek news for the previous month. And a lot of stuff is going to happen in December, stuff that I'm uh, pretty excited about. So I'm uh, looking forward oh, to the yeah. next episode. But that said, um, our website, commongeekingprogram.com. We currently have two other podcasts called Dice Populi and How You Doing? I make both of those. And I think they're pretty good, and I'm not going to waste time on it. Just <laughs> check them out. Um, Jeff and Austin, do either of you have things you want to say or plug? Uh, oh, well, you might. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, <laughs> um, I've got an Instagram called Things I Wish Existed, and there's a dot between each word. I just put art, post art stuff on there. Um, the The Transformers Real or Fake video that we posted on YouTube, I posted like a pilot episode with 
pat than it ended up being way too long, and yeah. we split it into three. But I, I still think that they're a fun watch, um, and we've got more of those in the in the works with some some quality updates. So if you want to see what that's about and then see how it gets better, say so check out check that out on the Common Geeking Program YouTube channel. And yeah, more to I'll come probably soon. be. Yeah, well, uh, once those are uh, really running, I'll probably put those on the site as well. But I got to do one of those with you. I had a very good time. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun. It. Here's a um, uh, spoilers, spoilers, but here's here's Ape Face from. Uh... <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Okay, that's what that looks like. Alrighty. So with that, uh, we're going to head out and uh, talk to you next month. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. Adios. Or Austin just didn't have anything. He just didn't want to say anything. A, I, well, I mean, I, I would, I'm not going to plug a social media thing when I and incur like the wrath of Disney or something. Uh, when I just told people to pirate their show, that's not, that's no good. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. We're not big enough for Disney to care. Yeah. But they'll have to work a little harder. Yeah. This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by me, Colin Ketchin, featuring original music by me, created and produced by me and Jeff. Uh, it is co-starring uh, Jeff Lovett and Austin Liebers, our returning correspondents. This episode is and uh, this episode is sponsored by Freewheeling the Credits Read because none of that is the order I've ever read these things in before. Um, the podcast can be found at commongeekingprogram.com with extra information, but we have two other big shows, uh, Dice Populi and How You Doing. You can check those out. We might have some more on the way soon. We'll kind of see how that goes, but we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the uh, Common Geeking Program and another briefing program the first Friday of January. And thank you for listening to this. Uh, I sent you guys the chronograph. If yeah, you I, got would it. Like I opened it. To... Same. Cool. All right. I didn't have uh, the time or mental bandwidth <clears throat> to put a funny name on this one, so let's just clap at 110. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucked up. Sorry. I was too busy uh, changing the name, so we got to do it at no! like 25. <laughs> 25 okay <laughs> okay i'm ready this time okay good you and i had the same idea austin we just <laughs> <laughs> i hate you both oh jeez <laughs>